episode of Salty Thoughts with Tamal Dodge. My yoga homie Mary Beth Aru is gracing the podcast today. Mary Beth is a yoga teacher, writer, co-creator of Rock Your Bliss, a yoga-inspired coaching program for the mind and body. Mary Beth created this company with her friend Jackie Carr, where they facilitate an online coaching program, workshops, retreats, and they teach people how to craft an inspired life of their design. Thank you for being here, Mary. Thank you for having me. So this is round two, Mary Beth. The yes, first it time is. We, the first time this thing got deleted, it was like a great podcast, but there was issues. Um, so I'm stoked you're doing it again. Me too. Let's start at the beginning, your days in Iowa. All right. I grew up in a farm town of 5,000 people in southwest Iowa. Um, I've always loved writing, always loved journalism, and had followed that path, but I knew that for some reason yoga would someday be in my future. And one of my mom's friends had a book of yoga on her table. And I remember being like 12 or 13 and looking through it and looking at all the different postures and shapes and being interested. Um, it wasn't until later that I fell in love with yoga. And that was when I had become an editor at National Geographic. So I had followed journalism to Iowa City, where I went to college, did internships in New York City and D.C., and ended up leaving Iowa, my my nest, and heading to the East Coast um, to work. And I quickly found that I'm not the kind of person to be at a desk. I didn't <laughs> I didn't flourish at a desk. Um, and I I found a yoga practice, and I would go to yoga before work, sometimes during work, after work. Sometimes I would close my door and meditate or stand on my head, just to start to come back to my more essential self, back to the girl I knew and recognized in Iowa. And that led me all the way to California and years and years of practice and a career as a teacher. That's awesome. Um, so what was your first yoga experience then? It was out on the East Coast? Mm, yeah. As an intern, I took a class. It was in Bethesda, I remember. And I didn't know what kind of yoga I was going to. And I believe it was an Iyengar class. And it was definitely an older crew. There were lots of leotards. Love leotards. And um, <laughs> it was just a totally odd, interesting experience. I can't say I fell in love with it then, but I definitely didn't fall out of love with it. Right. I, was, I was intrigued, but it wasn't until I found flow um, and moving to music in a way that felt really good to me and helped mm. me breathe deeper that, that I really dove into yoga, I would say. I yeah. flirted with it in a variety of modalities for a while. Which I think is essential. I mean, I always tell people, oh, if you really want to find what your cup of tea is, you have to try out the variety of tea. Mm -hmm. So you got to go out there and try, you know, the relaxing stuff. You got to find the chamomile, mm -hmm. the yin. <laughs> yeah. You got to try the matcha, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the vinyasa flow. You got to mix it up. So... You know, not everything's for everybody. And just even like you said, oh, moving your body to music, like half the teachers in LA don't like playing music in their mm -hmm. class, but people like you and I, it's like essential. It just mm -hmm. feels good. It's true to us. And it just feels like I'm in a groove and it helps inspire me when I teach, you know, totally. I riff off the music and um, it becomes a key component. So mm -hmm. 
yeah, you flirt with it and then you find which one you like and then you dive into it. Yeah. And, and I still love going to all different kinds of practices of and teachers. Like there's always something to learn and even other different disciplines, right? Meditation, CrossFit, all oh, hiking, yeah. all sorts of things. I went to F45 this morning. What's that? It's uh, functional fitness 45. I think that's what it stands for. It's kind of like pretty swole. It's like, it's like CrossFit on, uh, cardio crack or something like oh, that gosh. i don't i don't really do it that often but i went there and i was like oh my god that's when you need music <laughs> and tons of caffeine yeah and it's blasting the whole time and they're like yelling you five more seconds it's just fun to step outside the yoga <laughs> totally. room you're like whoa this is what's out there mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i try all of it and it's good it's good to step outside that find um other techniques of moving your body um so then when you found flow what was the flow that you liked um, well, the first class I went to that I like fell really in love with, I think it was the end of a rough day. Like I made my way into the studio on U street called boundless yoga and U street was pretty rough. Like it was every few blocks or something, there would be this like shiny new place, coffee shop or boutique. Um, and it was just old school DC, which was wonderful. And that's where I lived. But I walked into this studio and it was carpeted and the class was in this little row house living room I guess and she put on Bob Marley and we just like rolled around and did cat cow (laughs) and did pigeon and other than that I have no idea because I think those were the first times I really like integrated that or understood what I was doing and from there I was like I feel at home in my body Mm -hmm. and I felt a sense of playfulness that definitely wasn't there um and I became obsessed like legit obsessed yeah that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You got to roll around and do yeah. pigeon and cat cows and, <laughs> and all play that. Bob Marley. <laughs> yeah, my practice is not that different now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of the fun things about your class, though, is it's very organic. And not only is it organic, but you also leave room for people to move the way they want to move if they really Thank want you. to. And I think that's it's it feels like a good safe space, so people feel like they're not forced to do one thing or the other, or they have to do it this way. And which there is, I mean, there is definitely something to people telling you, oh, it has to be done this way, mm-hmm. the only way, alignment stuff. But then there's just such something so. And there's great a about, teacher for that. Yeah. I just am not that person. Exactly. Yeah. Either am I. It's just yeah. great to have that openness. And um, thank you. Yeah, and also your music is amazing. And <laughs> you you've got that yoga voice. I said <laughs> oh, that. God. I said that to. I can't remember who it was. One of the front desk girls at Yoga Salt was saying <laughs> how much they loved you. And I was like, oh, she's got that yoga voice. And they're like, yes. Oh. She's got that. Voice. Is it super different from my regular voice? It, no, it's just. Okay. This soothing, calm, it's like and a persona. I it walk is. in. It's like, you have to. There she is. <laughs> <laughs> bring it out. Um, so um, let's dive into something else. Um, your evolution of yoga from not just a practice, but to teaching. Mm-hmm. How did that start and where did it start? Um, well, while I was in DC, I wanted to do my teacher training program, but I mean, it was like right after I had started practicing seriously. And It was not to teach. Like, I know people say that, but like, it was legit not to teach. I was so scared of public speaking, like shaking hives. We're talking like I might die if I was talking in front of more than five people. So I was there solely to dive into more of the philosophical elements and learn more about the shapes and all of that. And while I was in training... I don't know, something just like lit up in me that has never lit up. Mm. And 
I realized, I wouldn't say that I like fully realized it, but I started to recognize that I was going to keep myself playing small and that I needed to start to move forward and scare myself and challenge myself. And that started by just, you know, like teaching, practice teaching in front of everyone, Mm -hmm. which is like so terrifying, Uh, teaching in front of your peers. It's so humbling and good. (laughs) Um, But I was 23, maybe. I'm almost 33 now. Um, So it was just a, a different world. And once I graduated, I still was at National Geographic and I, there, uh, I had been practicing at this studio nearby, Inspired Yoga, that was fantastic. And Kira, the owner, kept asking me to sub. And I think after like three months, I subbed like a noon class, which I like prepared <laughs> for, for three weeks. And then the 6.30 was the big class. And you'd be like, Mary Beth, can you please sub this? No, I have a doctor's appointment. I have a haircut. <laughs> I have, I don't know. I have a to wash my at dog. at night. <laughs> yes. Like I was, I mean, lying, but I was terrified. And this continued for a while. And then I just started to inch my way into more scary experiences. It felt once I started teaching, I just love connecting with people. And I love providing space. Like I love creating ambiance and... Being able to do that through movement and breath and music and just all around presence um, was really healing for me, mm-hmm. and I just continued. Yeah, it's so funny, you know, when you first start teaching, the nerves that come out, and people oh. still ask me, especially in the teacher training, like, do you still get nervous? I'm like, hell yeah, oh I do. God. What the heck? Of course you do. Especially the every scenario, because as you kind of progress or change as time goes on you're given new opportunities and those new opportunities create new challenges like oh do you want to go stand up in front of 500 people and teach at this festival you're like well i've never done that before oh my god here we go you know so there's always new things also just teaching workshops in places you've never taught Mm -hmm. before and moving to yoga salt like was brand new for me all the time such a good thing for me to do um to grow and it's funny, like I was saying to my mom the other day, there's so many things for me to be nervous for that I've stopped being nervous <laughs> because the second that I'm done with one thing, the next thing is here. And so I actually don't have time or can't use that precious energy on nerves when I need to be designing a class, holding space, all of that. Like it's just constant lately. Yeah. I've just pushed myself totally to a new level um, of taking on opportunities and in the last year and a half. And so, um, the nerves feel more comfortable, like, Oh, hi, I'm about to do something exciting rather than like, Holy shit, get me out of here. (laughs) Where's the door or under the table? Um, I'm coming down with something. (laughs) (laughs) You make yourself mentally sick. Oh, I'm totally dead. Totally. You know, it's, it's that plague that people get when they're, uh, fearful of things or uncertain of things. Everyone's a guilty of it. I'm, I included, but it comes to that same thing. If you're, if you're comfortable, you're not progressing. So mm-hmm. if you get out of your comfort zone, you will always, that's true for not just work or teaching yoga, but just anything in life. It's like, mm-hmm. you got to step outside that comfort zone. And when you do, that's where the exciting things happen. That's Absolutely. where things change and you really evolve. Um, so I know you do other things throughout your teaching that, or beyond just being on your yoga mat, you step mm-hmm. out and help other people and uh, passionate about um, doing work off your off your yoga mat. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, 
I decided to become a coach. I would call it like life design coaching because I was constantly having conversations with students after class for years where I didn't I didn't have the work in place or the boundaries to be able to discuss things and not take it all on. So that was the primary reason that I went through it and I love connecting with people as I said. Um, so it was like another way besides just the physical body that we could sit down, have a conversation, be on the phone, have a conversation, dive deeper. And that, that's what led me to do my coaching training with Martha Beck. When I completed that, or I guess it was around the same time, my best friend and I, Jackie Carr created a company called Rock Your Bliss. And we, uh, created this program really out of our desire to connect deeper so she's a coach, goal coach mostly, but does a lot of amazing work. And then I'm obviously a yoga teacher. And we wanted to put together a yoga-inspired methodology that would take people deeper. We've created online programs and workshops and retreats. So be- and between coaching and Rock Your Bliss, those, those things keep me really busy outside teaching my regular classes and workshops and retreats. What does a Rock Your Bliss retreat look like? Oh, um, is it secret? Gosh, it's so no, no, no. It's not <laughs> secret. It's usually takes place in Sayulita, yeah. and we take about twenty-five people to Sayulita at seven days, and it's the way that we've based our methodology is based on the chakras. So day one is about rooting, day two is about embodiment, day three is about creating. We weave all these different elements in, so it'll be woven into the flow, the meditation. When we move into the throat chakra, we go out and we do karaoke. Um, there's just all these different. There's playful ways, and I wouldn't say more serious, but there's work that gets pretty deep and uh, brings up a lot of stuff for people. So it's good to ebb and flow with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the lightness of karaoke, which is actually terrifying too, if you're not like someone who enjoys doing that, (laughs) like Jackie. (laughs) I do Gangster's Paradise, by the way, by Coolio. It's really, really amazing. Um, But it's like when it's hard, then there's a moment to soften or laugh. And bringing together that many people for seven days, you just see all your stuff come up. Yeah. Right. Like who you thought everyone was on day one, including from my perspective, is not true. Right. You learn so much more about people because you're speaking from values and what lights people up, what's hard for them, where they're struggling. And for me, I just see how interconnected we all are. And that's really humbling and really beautiful. Mm. It's it's really awesome and magical, I think, in general, when you can get a group of people together and have them for a solid five, seven mm-hmm. days and just the way people interact and watch each other and um, connect. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you even do things that are even longer than that, even watching personalities clash and then fix the personality oh, I bet. clash. With teacher so, trainings, yeah. Yeah, all the time. Absolutely. So there's something to that. And, you know, connections, I think, are something that is extremely important, especially in our day and age when we're so disconnected. Mm-hmm. And things just get more and more disconnected as they are, you know. Um, we were doing a podcast earlier and we were talking about, you know, we live in a social media time where we're supposed to be the most socially connected. It's the social network and social media and all this stuff. But everybody's on their iPhone, not even looking in each other's eyes. Nobody's saying hi mm-hmm. anymore. It's like getting more and more um, extracted. You know, we're becoming like 
hermits and not even knowing that we're becoming hermits, but in a very negative way, you know, that's terrifying in a way where we're actually in society, but we're, you know, uh, pulled away from society. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think retreats, I think personal connection is a extremely powerful thing. I'm a huge advocate of just turning off your computer, your cell phone and everything, and just mm-hmm. forcing yourself to be away from, because it's like one of our guests, um, in previous podcasts with Tommy Rosen, he said it is an addiction, social media, mm-hmm technological devices is like a drug it's an addiction so being able to turn it off and look somebody in the eye relate to them have an experience go on a retreat go on a rockier place Mm -hmm. if you can go on some place where you're just out you know or i think you mentioned this to me before create staycations like Mm -hmm. a day where you take everything off you told me that and create something in the environment yeah you said you do that with your husband you guys just like yeah or by myself like i love finding new classes in different neighborhoods or, I mean, we're so lucky where we live, like in a two hour drive, you could be in Encinitas and taking totally different practice. Um, but I love doing that. And I think too, even the fact that people get on their mats now for 90 minutes with no phone just feels so good to me. Like it makes me, if they're being good, if they're being good, but like, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? Well, once, once I had a guy who brought his phone to the mat, well, he, he's brought it a few times and a girl said to me, she's like, like he's an ER doctor. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Right. Like, reasons. but that's, that's, that's really needing it. Yeah. Right. Um, but we, we approach it with the same amount of urgency. Like <laughs> how many likes did I get? Oh you're not, God, you're not up. saving anyone's yeah. life. Like, um, <laughs> and wait. even eye contact, right? Yeah. Like I love making people look around. Cause I think, yeah. and I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I'll come to the back of a class. I do this a lot, actually. I, the corner in your class, I'll yeah. like come back to the corner, put my mat out. And it's not that I don't want to talk. It's just that I'm in a quiet mode. Mm. But I think it's so good to look around and recognize yeah. that the reason you're having such a great experience or a transformational experience is because of all the different energy and breath in the room. Yeah. And you're not at home with your computer on practicing in your living room. Right, yeah. like from one of the sites. And we're socially we're social beings and social creatures. I mean, everything in this world actually is a social mm-hmm. so, a social creature, if I can mm-hmm. say the word. Um, it, you, it's really wild. You can even do an experiment for anybody who's, you know, brewing kombucha or has a plant or anything like that. You could have two plants of the same kind, or you could be growing your kombucha and set them in the same kind of environment, but just pay more attention to one than the other. Say you love the one scoby, the one, you know, kombucha, <laughs> and don't say it to the other one. Yeah. Say you love the plant to the one plant, but not the other one. Not only will the scoby that is being ignored, it'll most likely mold and fall apart and die. The plant that you're not giving attention to will wither away, and the other one will flourish. I mean, we're wow. social beings. Yeah. It, you can do these experiments at home, and you'll see the results. I've done them, and um, it's unbelievable. And just human beings in general, you look at people who are blocking themselves away closing the blinds, depressed, away from society, away from everything, they're withering away. Yeah. But then if that person is told that, that they're loved, they're given eye contact, they're touched, mm-hmm. you know, given physical contact, things like that, it changes people. It really does. And I, I think that's one of the beauties of having a group physical yoga practice is not just the physical workout and um, being in a group environment, but it's the energy that you're getting from mm-hmm. people and being next to somebody and just that environment itself can be really healing. Mm-hmm. And looking too at what's what sustenance we have in our lives, like our relationships and how we feed ourselves. Even you saying like someone locked away, 
like what addictions are there? We all have them, yeah. right? Like what are we leaning on too much to not be in the present? And I think that's that's work that I've been doing in a big way in the last like six months and it's huge. Huge. Right? Like you're just wide open for experience and it's transformational. Yeah. Huge. It's funny. I recently um, had one of my friends, Sean Caboto, he wanted me to do this um, – I don't know the exact term for it, but it's kind of like a light therapy, but I don't think they call it light therapy. The machine itself is called like a Pandora star. It's got like a psychedelic name. Mm-hmm. It was created by some German neurologist, someone in Europe, and um, helps with people with depression and things like that. Um, and at first I was like, oh, he's like, it's a really psychedelic experience. Like you travel through a different galaxy when you get this light in front of your face and He's like, also, it puts you in a dreamlike state when you're asleep and you release all the things that you release when you're asleep, but you're awake, like DMT. And I was like, with all lights? I'm like, what are you talking about? And um, he's like, yeah, you know, you go to these countries in Europe where the sun is only out for a couple of hours during the day in the winter and the people are chronically depressed, there's suicide rates, and they start doing therapies like this and it completely changes them. Mm-hmm. They're happy, they're euphoric, they're no longer suicidal. And... Um, so one day after a podcast, he was here and he was like, hey, let's do the light therapy. You just had one with him? He does it for people. And so I sat on the couch and I was like, okay. And he set up this light probably three, four feet from me and it's on a stand and I close my eyes and he puts headphones on me and he's like, keep your eyes closed. And then the thing starts to reflect all this light on your closed eyelids and all of a sudden, it's going to sound like I was on drugs, people, but I was not. I'm like traveling through a galaxy shooting through a light going into the universe and it was psychedelic just like you said and then I ended up seeing the room even though my eyes were closed where everyone was in the room but everyone was like covered in light and there I could see them and then I went again through this tunnel of light saw multiple colors and went through this whole intense psychedelic experience and then it was only for four minutes and then it turned off and um I told him what happened he goes I told you man and um I'm not necessarily a depressed person and I didn't feel that different. I felt happy. I felt good. But then I had other people that were really close to me that dealing with depression do it. Mm-hmm. And they were completely different for wow. four days afterwards, wow. like four days, like so happy running around, like exercising, taking life by storm. I was like, Oh my God, there is a, that is a huge difference. Yeah. And I told him about it and he's like, yeah, it's just a huge change. So, you know, I think about, our society, how we're so glued to our technological devices, so glued to machines versus human connection, but also just nature in general. Mm-hmm. You know, really what that uh, machine does, the light machine, is it's giving you rays of light, of mm-hmm. like sunshine. Like you got to go outside, be outside, right. get scun in your skin, be in nature, be around people, mm-hmm. connect on a personal level and watch the changes unfold. Um, I got to have you and Maddie do that. Totally. It sounds amazing. (laughs) I even noticed that though. I'm sure you can relate. Like if you're having a day where you're just feeling kind of like blah. And if you had an option, am I going to go teach my 6 p.m. class or am I going to just relax or whatever? Like after I teach, I feel like a completely different person Mm. because of the human connection, right? And just getting out of your own head and your own stuff and being present for other people. Yeah. You feel like high afterwards. Really? You really do. It's, yeah. I was sharing that with Allie Owens on a previous podcast just saying I got times where I really got burnt out on teaching yoga and I wasn't feeling good afterwards mm-hmm. I knew there was something wrong with me I mm-hmm. knew that I had to go back and re- reset and then when you reset and you reassess and you dive deeper what the issue is afterwards 
you feel great. And then from then on, when you teach, you're just like, yes, let's teach mm-hmm. another one. I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. This is incredible. <laughs> this is the best job ever. It is. It's it not is even like the a best job, job ever. Um, let's talk about creating a blissful life. Um, how do you find tricks in your own um, personal life to create happiness? I guess the the big thing for me is looking at once again, what it is that sustenance for me, like what lights me up and being really aware of my physical body when I'm having a conversation. Like this conversation, I know I'll walk away like energized and feeling good, more of like a sattvic state. Whereas you have those conversations where you walk away and you're like, (laughs) I need a nap. (laughs) I need to like totally unplug. Um, So for me, it's prioritizing my own health and well-being for sure, like sleep and nutrition, my own practices, which is not just yoga, but my own practices. And um, I, I t- really try hard to schedule all those things in first. Hmm. So I look at everything as design, as life design. So when I design my yoga classes, I design my day. And usually what I'll do is I'll look at designing my entire week. So let's say like on Sunday, I'll start to design my week ahead. So what am I doing when will there be time for writing? When will there be time for practice? And I'm, I, there are times when there's not much time, but there's enough that I can take some time for myself. Um, I'm definitely more introverted. Like I enjoy connecting and I enjoy being out in the world, but to go really the definition, I'm reading this book, Quiet, that's all about introversion mm. and how powerful introverts can be. But if you have to go inside and to be quiet and alone to get your energy, then you're an introvert. If you get it from being around other people all the time, that's your go-to, then you're an extrovert. Mm. And for me, it's just, I have to have quiet time alone. And I'm definitely married to an extrovert, like for sure. (laughs) And he's amazing. I drove up past Maddie like a week ago and I, I was driving a pickup truck and I go, Maddie. And he's like, you look sexy in that pickup truck. I was like, <laughs> oh my surprising. God, there's Maddie. Not surprising <laughs> at all. Yes, and he's always himself. But That's he, the beauty but of him. It's abso- awesome. Totally. He, he's actually quite yogic. Um, and he understands that about me. My business partner is totally extroverted. Yeah. She gets it. Like when we travel together, she'll go run five miles and talk on the phone and hang out with people. And I will like take a bath and meditate. Yeah. Right. Like I need that quiet time in order to be able to go up in front of people and connect with people and be powerful. Otherwise I'm just like, I get sick, I get tired and no bueno. So having, for me, it's just really knowing my non-negotiables and making sure that they're always a part of my life. Like Mm. three of those things are creativity, um, connection, and what's the third one? Creativity, connection, oh, and gratitude. Mm. And gratitude comes really easily to me. And I know that I'm not integrated in my values or not feeling good. Kind of like when you got done teaching and you felt shitty afterwards. Like if I'm not feeling grateful, then I know that I'm out of whack. Yeah. So all it takes is for me to be quiet and I'm like very lucky that gratitude comes pretty easily. Those are awesome. Three little keys (laughs) there. You know, it's, it's also, I, I find too that for years I used to, I used to live to work, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't work just to live, which Mm -hmm. it should be that way. And your whole existence is just working, working, working. You got to reverse. Otherwise it becomes like this, um, lifelong dread, you know, Mm -hmm. it becomes this, 
uh, pernicious mistake in your life where you're like, oh God, it's just creating so much severe damage to me yeah. to be working and working, working, and I'm just living to work this job or whatever. And um, if you can flip it somehow, like you're saying, you do all these things first, you know, it really prepares you also to be a, a better person, a better vehicle, a better um, inspiration to other people, a better help to society when you start mm-hmm. to take care of yourself and do these other things first, you know, and, you know, I think it's essential for me personally. I wake up, I like to eat healthy, exercise, meditate, and go into my day, you know, mm-hmm. so that it's set off in a specific mood or intention or a way, you know, and if you don't, you feel a little off a little bit, oh. You know, granted, there's going to be days where you don't get to do all that right mm-hmm. at the gate, but if you can fit it in, it makes a huge difference. And I think more the more good stuff you add, the more stuff that feels good and is high vibe, yeah. the easier the other stuff falls away. Yeah. Like the relationships that don't serve you. Like, I love morning. I decided to give up alcohol about five months ago, and it's not something I plan on going back to, and it's yeah. been... It messes your morning. <laughs> yeah, it messes up my morning, and it's one of my values. Yeah. And I realized, like... I would sometimes associate um, times as fun because of that element, but they yeah. weren't at all. It's because I surround myself with like amazing people doing great stuff. Yeah. So just noticing that, and the more that you add things you love, the the easier it is. Like I feel like stuff just like falls away. Yeah. Like it just in a really natural way, like a you know just shedding old skin, like a snake or something. Yeah, it's, I think it's part of yoga life in general. The more things that you decide to discard the more elevates your consciousness and you mm-hmm. lose a taste for it and you're like yeah. this is awesome this is so much better right. what the heck was i doing that and let's do this next thing oh where's this going totally. you know and you just follow that natural road um too yeah. with you i've noticed like i love it's really inspired me you're doing these videos and podcasts and matt was asking me he's like why is he doing all this I'm like, because he wants to and it's great for the business but i also think you're doing it because you love it more to more to do i love it because if it was for the business i feel like i would be it's like different. here's a dollar charge a dollar for each download but it's not it's right? just free. it's different it's, and it's just like i, I it's I teach yoga there's part of yoga to sustain my family but so much of why i teach yoga is it touched me as a kid mm-hmm. like i grew up in a yoga ashram that my dad ran that was just given freely so cool. and it was like something that hit me to the core on a soulful level mm-hmm. where I knew this was something that is so special beyond just even the physical poses. It's like the philosophy, the lifestyle, everything behind yoga. I, I truly believe it is life changing. And, you know, if you can help people and if you can share people, share with people the things that you were given, you know, you're not a thief. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be a thief where you just take, 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 take. You got to give, 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 because that's really where the happiness happens. And that's why fun. I do it. Yeah, it's, it's so, so fun. fun. It's I enriching. love making stuff that's just free just to give it away. Like have events or things that are just heart-based. Yeah. Right? Like, and that's part of the gratitude I think you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier is sharing. You're mm-hmm. grateful, so you share it and you share it. And it creates that that little key of igniting the, the blissfulness, the happiness mm-hmm. in your life is giving. So Well you can feel too when something's being given to you, but yeah. it's not really <laughs> it's like, oh, oh wait. Yeah, I'm gonna give this to you. Can this, you sign this contract? <laughs> You're like, oh never mind. <laughs> can have some blood too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. Take your firstborn. Um so I think this runs along the same lines of living a blissful life, but finding contentment, you know, finding uh Santosha in your life, you find that so much of the time we're wishing and thinking, oh, 
but what if there's something more? What it could have, should have done that. I want to have this. And then you're always unsettled. Oh my God. And you're like, life just becomes, instead of being content, it's like regrets and desires and frustration. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you find um, that place of being settled? Once again, comes back to gratitude totally. But I think it was about three years ago I came across, honest to God, I think it's off social media, but I love this so much. It's happiness equals reality minus expectations. And just looking at moment to moment, like my expectations that I'm bringing to the table and how that sabotages what's actually in front of me. For instance, we live in this house similar to yours, like kind of Venice vibe. We love it. Our rent's going up again. You know, it's Venice and it's yearly. Yeah, it's the (laughs) the way it goes. So Matt, my husband and I started to just look a little bit to start to figure it out. So our house pictured, it's like bright blue walls, black walls, pink walls, you know, a cool skull from Mexico, dream catchers, like very bohemian, you know, ganaches everywhere. And we started to look at these places, you know, like the big high rise with everything included that you could ever imagine, yeah. like the pool, you know, the concierge, the the Viking appliances, the shiny floor, everything's clean. And we really got into this for like yeah. a couple of weeks, like looking around, looking around. And we almost pulled the trigger and signed a lease on this place that just was not for us. Yeah. You know, we have an English bulldog, like it just, we, <laughs> we would not have fit in in this place. Granted, it's beautiful. I would totally spend the week in there. But <laughs> we just in the past couple of days have brought so much more gratitude to our home, albeit, you know, it's a little more expensive now, whatever. Um, and for what we have. And that that expands so past this little house in Venice, right? Like the grass is always greener mentality. You know, we're human. We slip we think about that at times. And for me, contentment is just really the practice of yoga, like coming back to the moment and what it provides, even if it's uncomfortable, right? The moments that we are trying to wiggle our way out of the present moment. And when we can sit with things and such a powerful part of yoga and meditation, what more is revealed to us? Mm. Right? That we don't have to reach outside of ourselves for the, the swimming pool, fancy pants apartment, but that we can practice presence you know, in our physical bodies, being grateful for what we have, being grateful for our jobs, for our family. Um, so for me, it's gratitude, like I said, comes easily to me, but staying rooted in our values, what's important. Yeah. Right? Like it's important for us to ride our bikes to the ocean. That would yeah. not be possible. Um, that just shows you you're blessed right there. You can ride your bike right? to the ocean. Yes. The I mean, I grew up in a farm town in Iowa, which is a <laughs> wonderful place, by the way. Glenwood, Iowa. Very proud to be from there. But I will never, it will never get old that I can yeah. ride my bike a mile and be in yeah. the Pacific Ocean. That's Unreal. insane to me. I love when you're driving and the map pulls up on, I don't know if you have a GPS in your car, and it pulls up and it'll show you just, it's just like blue. Blue, yeah. Because you're driving toward home, toward the ocean. <laughs> I'm always, I never get tired of that. Yeah, and I think uh, that gratitude is a huge part of it and taking time to be grateful because people don't realize, including myself, you lose track, you lose perspective. Um, because we live in a country that is so wealthy that mm-hmm. we think, oh, I don't have this. I don't have, oh my God, I can't find right. a parking space. I don't I'm trying to go right to my now. yoga Look. class yeah. and I can't find my oh, parking yes. space. Or there's a little construction. Yeah, it's just so, it's like such first world problems when you look at it, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. 
I'm complaining that I can't find a parking space. I'm in a car. There's a billion people starving. Going to. Yeah. <laughs> a billion. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's put right. the brakes on. That's why I think it's important to find gratitude and look at everything you have, like family, friends, loved ones, a job, a healthy body. Mm-hmm. Go down the list. Whoops. Hit my mic. <laughs> Got very excited. Go down the list. And when you go down the list, you'll find, you know, how blessed you are, you know, and taking time in a yogic perspective honor a higher source that it stems mm-hmm. from makes you so happy. And to be in service. I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, to find ways to give that once again, there's nothing, there's no tie to it, right? You're there to give and it feels good. I yeah. mean, sometimes I feel selfish about that. Oh, it feels good to give. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. It does feel good. It does feel good. And Own it. And it's also not like you're going to always be perfect about all this stuff. You're going to slip no, all the place and I go to that place where you're not. like, oh, I wish I had that and this thing. And you're going to go through those. But to get, make sure you bring yourself back is super important. Like they say in yoga, your mind is like a toddler. you got to get it to sit. <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> or a puppy. Don't know. <laughs> or a puppy, exactly. It's like a puppy running around. Um, what are some of the missions in life for you? Uh, what are the big things brewing? I know you were just on the cover of the Yoga Journal. That mm, was cool. Thanks. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, missions in life for me to quiet down, to create connection both in person and also as much as we've talked about, you know, online world and social world, I do think it's really special how much, um, we can put out that we have exchange with people all over the world. Um, to travel someplace really cool that's unrelated to yoga. I mean, I hope to practice yoga while I'm there, but yeah. to travel with Matt once a year, um, to create programs and offerings that feel very much me, right? Like not things that are just to make money or because I think I should, uh, to as far as putting myself out there, I feel like I've done a lot of stuff that really scares me. I leave tomorrow to teach 4,000 people on Saturday in Mm. Chicago. Like my younger self would have legit died. (laughs) Um, But instead I'm excited. (laughs) I'd be dead. I would be dead. Like I would shake to death. Um, So as far as checking things off the list, I I can't say right now that I have really solid goals and I feel Mm. fine about that. That's even better. Because it's more of a daily check-in. I have... I'm really just content. I am yeah. like, I've just found amazing communities like yoga salt and wanderlust that I just yeah. love. And I am guided by people and putting my trust in people who I admire and kind of taking my hands off the wheel a little bit, yeah. right? Like letting myself be taught and hear feedback. That's, that's another thing is like, Bring me feedback from people I trust, not just everyone. <laughs> that's never good either. Um, but being open to transformation, that's been my whole thing this year. I feel like I've let go of things I never would have imagined I would have um, or wanted to. I've embraced a lighter way of being. I've felt more creative. I've felt more present. So I'd rather, I would like to just continue with that. Mm, that's awesome. And create a family. Yeah. A bigger family. <laughs> expanding. Yes. Always expanding. Yep. Um, what are some of your recipes for success, relationships, work, all that kind of stuff? I mean, gratitude again. <laughs> it's just 
when people know that you, it's like the plant or the scoby. Yeah, we killed a scoby. We killed a scoby. Um, when people know that you're grateful and it's sincere, not just like, oh my God, I love you. Instead, it's you show them in the ways that you show up, in the way that you interact, the way that you communicate. I think that's great across the board. Definitely in your more intimate relationships, right? Like your husband, your children, but in your job too. I think I've noticed at times people get really entitled and I still feel so grateful and stunned, stunned that I get to do what I do. Yeah. And when I stop feeling that way, then I should probably stop doing this. I think it's, it's gratitude. And, and at times that's tough. I would say definitely in your relationships that you're dealing with every day, right? Sometimes that's a, that's a stretch for everybody included, but there's always something to offer and asking how can you serve better in the moment, not how can I get this or how can I manipulate this situation that will never get you anywhere except tied into a giant knot. So offering up gratitude and, and being in question about how you can serve and make things better. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, in general, when it comes to just being successful at life, you got to know there's going to be the beautiful times. There's going to be the hard times. Mm -hmm. There's going to be everything in between in our first podcast trial that you and I did. I think we talked about relationships a little Mm -hmm. bit. I mean, even in yoga, they have three stages to a relationship. There's the first stage, which is infatuation. That's where mm-hmm. everything is just so perfect. <laughs> right. You're so beautiful. Nothing's wrong with you. <laughs> Your breath doesn't even smell. It's <laughs> fantastic. And then you meet two more years down the road. You're into this relationship with this person two years in or whatever, however many years in. Mm-hmm. It's every, different for everyone. Then you reach this, to- this stage of tolerance. That's when you're like, you know what? You're not perfect. Your breath does smell. And you take out the trash, you know? <laughs> And usually people like separate, divorce, break up in the tolerance stage. But they say if you can weather the tolerance stage, whoops, I hit my mic again. I keep doing this. I never hit the mic. Um, Once you hit hit past the tolerance stage, then you get to a place called true friendship. And once you're at true friendship, it's um, thicker than oil. You're never going to break up. You understand each other. You've reached a place where, you know, you're going to be through it thick and thin. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think one of the keys just in general to having a successful life or even having a successful relationship is making sure you have true, strong core values, spiritual values. You know, I think spiritual values are essential in a relationship so that you love the soul, the person versus mm-hmm. just the physical body, because you obviously have to be attracted to a person to be in a relationship with them. It starts that we're natural. It's just something that nature makes us attracted mm-hmm. to each other. But it can't be solely based off of physical attraction because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, what if the person you're with, you know, gets in a horrible car accident and gets disfigured and, you know, you're not going to be like, well, your body changed, so mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Some people would. Some which people is terrible. Would. Terrible. Terrible. But that means you have to start the relationship from this understanding, this mm-hmm. spiritual understanding that no matter what, I'm with you. I don't care what happens to you or I physically, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Um, and it starts with having that strong spiritual connection, the understanding of the soul and loving the soul, not just the body. And, and also well, it's just a choice like every single day and in your relationships and your work, everything, everything yeah. is a choice. And 
remembering that for me is so powerful. I like to remember it's a choice and it's also a creative act. Like mm. I can bring creativity to it, how, how to shift my perspective rather than this is how I feel. So that's that. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I used to operate from that gut reaction and it was like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell of my own design, right? Yeah. Just constant feeling, 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 reacting, reacting, reacting. So I love that true friendship. Absolutely. Yeah. And just even without even stepping aside of friendship, I think with just life in general, business and things like that, you obviously have to work a certain amount to sustain yourself or your family or whoever's around you. But, you know, for years, I mean, years, I was so fearful of, you know, losing money, losing job, doing this. And I went through all of that. I lost money, lost jobs, made poor business decisions, had bad business partners, went through like a variety of different things. And it was this whole time of fear. And I took a lot of meditating, reflecting, and, you know, spiritual practice where I got to a point where I was like, wow, even mm -hmm. if I work my whole life and you acquire a certain amount of money, certain amount of possessions, I'm not going to take it with me when I die. Yeah. None of this shit I'm taking, not yeah. even this material body am I taking with me. So why am I so fixated on mm -hmm. money, fixated on this body, fixated on a car, a house, or this thing or that? It means so little because it's so temporary. If you really think about it, all the money you acquire in life, even this body you're living in, the house you have, it's all a rental. Mm -hmm. You don't own it. You can't take it with you when you pass mm -hmm. away. So it's a freaking rental. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And when you live that kind of life and you have that epiphany, it doesn't become scary anymore. I'm like, it's I, playing. My, I talk to my wife about this all the time. Like, I don't, I really wouldn't give a crap if I lost every dime that I had tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't care. I really wouldn't because I know that the things that are most important to me right now, no one can take them away from me. Mm -hmm you know, my core spiritual values. And if you have that, you have a successful life. Mm -hmm. um, not saying I have all the answers, everybody. I'm just saying these are things that I've discovered that just really tie the pieces of the puzzle together. And, you know, if you can meditate and you can have a strong spiritual practice, if you're spiritually wealthy, you'll have a strong spiritual relationship with your spouse, your loved one, your partner, and mm -hmm. the core of your life, your being will be settled. It'll be content. Well, it's because you're whole. You're not coming yeah. to every single relationship looking for your missing piece, right? It's like you already have that sense of wholeness. So whatever you can approach is just you're bringing something to the table and receiving. But it's it's a more of a playful exchange instead of like when you were moving from the desperate space. So was I. Yeah. I used to hoard jobs. Like I would have like six <laughs> jobs because I was so worried. So yeah. it was like, oh, I run Twitter for this company and I'm work you know, as a hostess at this restaurant and I'll walk your dog and I teach yoga and I do this. Like there was no space for anything. And I was so desperate that I was bringing that energy to everything I did. Whereas now I feel for the most part, right, there are days, but for the most part, I feel so full and content that things come and go with more ease. Yeah. There's even with this like apartment thing, I was totally recognized a party graha, like of just like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm either holding on to this like new idea of being or this house and that's the answer. And it's just not. It's yeah. it's, not. it's I, not. You take it with you. When you're whole and you feel contented and you have these values in place, there's there's nothing that you know can rock you. Yeah. I I, I think it's to the point of no return. Yeah, it's the key to keeping um your internal environment strong, mm -hmm. you know, externally, yeah, things can be going haywire, 
And shit can hit the fan at any time. Of course, it can happen. You mm-hmm. have that internal environment strong, that spiritual uh, environment uh, constantly fueled. You're going to be ready for anything. Um, you know, it's really wild. Like, for some reason, I'm getting this. I keep thinking about this guy randomly. Um, so years ago, I have friends out in North Carolina. They um, went to Costa Rica. They're in this small town in Costa Rica surfing. They own a, they used to own a yoga studio in North Carolina, this couple, and they're good friends. They're out in Costa Rica, and they meet this other surfer out there. They start talking to him, and he's like, oh, I'm from North Carolina. They're like, well, we're from North Carolina. We're, we're from Wilmington. He goes, I live in Wilmington. It's like bizarre. And then they're like, we own a yoga studio. And the guy's like, oh, I just started practicing yoga with a DVD, uh, this guy, Tamal Dodge. No. And they're like, He's like a good friend of ours. He was like, what? <laughs> like it's a bizarre connection. So they exchanged numbers. They started for a few days together. Then they come back to Wilmington. And when they came back, they're like, we met this guy who was surfing. He's from the same town as us. And he does your DVD. And I was like, well, that's weird. And they're going, he would like to meet you. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I went out and did a workshop there. And like this guy, he wants to meet you. So he wants to take you surfing. So I take one of my friends and we go to this boat dock. And I hop in this boat with this guy I've never met. And... The guy's like, I'm such and such. And I was like, oh, great. That's awesome. I'm Tamal. And he's like, yeah, I love watching your DVDs. They've really helped me a lot. And we start boating out to this break, this surf breakout um, in Wilmington. And uh, it's called Masonboro Island. And so we're going out there. And, you know, right out the gate, the guy just goes, do you believe in God? I'm like, whoa. I'm like, yeah, I do. And he goes, why well, don't? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, where's this going? And we go into this whole talk, and then he just starts opening up about his whole life to me. And he's getting very emotional, and we're on this boat going out to the surf break. And he's like, you know, a couple years back, I was out at this same spot, and I was with my daughter, and we're watching all these dolphins, you know, jumping in and out of the water. And I love my daughter so much, and she was her favorite favorite creature was a dolphin. And she's like, Daddy, you buy me a dolphin one of these days. And it was like a joke. And he's like, of course, anything for you, sweetie. And his daughter's a teenager. And they're watching the sunset. And he said, I gave my daughter a kiss goodnight. She got in her car, drove off, got in a horrible car accident and died. Oh, my God. And he's like, he's like, and then I just knew that there wasn't a God. There was nothing, you know. He's like, it's just nothing. And I was like, wow, I'm so sorry. That's really heavy. And he's like, there's, he's like, so I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any of this stuff. You know, people say, oh, you know, don't you ever see signs that she's okay? He goes, yeah, I was in Costa Rica before. And he was like, I want to see a sign, God. And I was angry at God. And I saw a butterfly, which is her favorite bug. And I was like, oh, whatever. He's like, just a coincidence. He's telling me this whole story. And he's like, so I don't believe in anything. And we get out in the water. We paddle out to the surf break. And we're surfing. And we keep talking about it. And um, he's like, you know, I, all I all I do is think about her, and I'm really distraught about it. And I said, well, you know, what if there's signs, and there actually are signs that there is a God, that there's something more that she still lives on, you know, and maybe they're not coincidences. And he's like, nah, I think they're all just coincidences. And we're surfing, and he's telling me all about this, and at this, that moment, more dolphins than I've ever seen in my life wow. show up. Like hundreds of dolphins, more than I've ever seen, just come up to us flipping right in front of us, jumping around. And it was the last animal he saw with his daughter at this spot at the same time. That's insane. And we're watching it. And I look over at him and I go, is this just a coincidence? And he started crying. He's like, 
fuck because i could not believe it because we're having this conversation about right. it in this moment oh. and it all it's all happening and we still stay connected and he's become a friend and um you know i think that's another key to life and dealing with the hardships of life things that get thrown your way is having a spiritual practice but also having faith that there's something more and having faith that there's something more can help you look at things as signs and not just coincidence and really can pull you through so much Mm -hmm. because if our body if we're our life is just based off the body and the temporary existence of the body it's very scary it's terrifying it's terrifying but if you have faith and experience that there's more there's life after death you'll see people even Mm -hmm. after you pass it gives you this comfort that you've never felt before in your life and you know you watch people like gandhi and all these people that passed away in such a graceful way with no fear you know no fear of death and no fear of the unknown because they knew that's the way to pass away you know and you know one of my spiritual teachers was asked what do you experience when you when you meditate and he said fearlessness Mm. you know and i think that's one of the ways to creating a successful life is living a life of fearlessness Mm -hmm. you know spiritual courage and being in wonder too like like you said being open to seeing it right the world is as we see it and that's why it is that way yeah i always call it god winks like when something happens and i've gotten so many this year where something will be occurring and just synchronicity like Mm. in the moment just a little god wink of i'm here yeah I think it's really what we're open to yeah. and if we're willing to be brave yeah and make the choice hard choices and have the hard conversations to get to the other side of feeling more free and present absolutely is there anything you want to share before we click off no thank you i'm so grateful to you and to be a part of this community for well, sure same here, really Mary grateful <laughs> it's always a joy and where can our listeners find you and find more about you and um, also rock your bliss and okay. all that jazz? Yeah. My website's marybethlarue.com and Instagram and social media is all just Mary Beth LaRue. And then rock your bliss is rock your bliss movement.com and just rock your bliss for social media. Yes. And you find me at yoga salt <laughs> and wanderlust Hollywood. Wonderful. So for everybody who's listening out there, stay true and we'll see you soon. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you.